episode 22 of the Walshy Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg. Today, I'm talking with two incredible women who run creative businesses that make products for baby and kids. My first guest is Mimi Sang. Mimi is the designer and owner of Hello She So, a company making fun and modern accessories for girls. She's based in Berkeley, California. Thanks to a mom who had her own obsession with accessories, Mimi grew up with perfectly coiffed hair and fond memories of her favorite hair clips. Hello Shisa was born in 2010 when Mimi decided to make her own accessories in her backyard studio with the hopes of creating lasting memories for other little girls. Today, Hello Shisa hair clips are available in over 100 retail stores nationwide and Mimi exhibited at the Playtime Trade Show in New York this year. Mimi saying welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Abby. That's great that you're here. Um, I'm also pleased to be joined by Jaji Bath Ives. Jaji's company, Baby Jives, makes mobiles for nurseries and kids' rooms. Jaji is an artist and mother living and working in Philadelphia. She has a BFA in crafts from the University of the Arts and an MFA in painting and sculpture from the Tyler School of Art at Temple University. When Jaji had children of her own, she knew she didn't want a nursery like every other. In her final month of nesting, before the baby was born, she focused on creating an element of art that could move and entrance her new baby, and that was a mobile. That became the kernel of a business idea. Jaji still makes every mobile by hand in her Philadelphia studio using a trusty old Brunina sewing machine that's as old as she is. Jaji Ives, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Abby. Yeah, it's great to have you, and it's really great to have um, sort of two people who are connected and that you both make really on-trend, beautiful things for children. Um, and I, so I thought it was a super pairing. I'm looking forward to talking to both of you. So Mimi, we're going to start with you. Um, we are what I would describe as old-time internet friends. Um, I first found you online when you were making these little tiny, wonderful cut paper collages every day and posting them to your blog. So tell us about the path that led from there to the hair clip business. It's been sort of a long meandering path. Um, I started making those collages because I was at home with a baby and um, I was actually going a little bit crazy. And I found that um, the collages were really soothing for me. And I loved having just the habit of it. And so it was a great project. I really loved it. And I actually really miss it. Although nowadays I still cut paper when I'm, um, when I'm working out new ideas for, um, for hair clips. And from there I wanted to make something more. So I started sewing, started sewing bibs. And I really had wanted to have a business that was for boys and for girls. And then um, the hair clips just kind of took off. You know, it's, I think it's harder to make things for boys, quite honestly, especially accessories. Um, and uh, that's sort of uh, where I ended up now. You know, I started making these hair clips for my daughter. And then um, the business has just really kind of grown from there. So I know your family um, is Taiwanese. Um, mm-hmm. And you go to Taiwan in the summers. I, we used to always follow on your blog. Um, your trips and, um, and I noticed that you will take photos of places where you're sort of sourcing supplies mm-hmm. for your hair clips. And it sounds like you also have some contract workers who are helping, um, who are Taiwanese. So tell us about how that works. Well, um, I, at first I started making everything by myself in my studio and I found pretty quickly that I, I couldn't, I couldn't keep up. And, um, having my family be in Taiwan was a really great resource. My family's business is there and we, um, ended up finding somebody who's worked for our family business. And so we've known the family for over 15 years and, um, it's um, this woman plus her two sisters. So these three sisters make everything for me. And um, the thing that I love about Taiwan is that there's this very um, can-do mentality. I feel like um, there anyone can say, um, I'm going to start a business. And then it's really easy for them to go out and find the materials. I think if you're um, wily enough to figure out where to find um, the materials and then you can do it. And Taiwan makes it really easy. There's whole districts dedicated to 
you know, plastic bags, whole districts dedicated to just selling beads. And um, it takes a little work to find them. And then everything's just open for anybody to buy anything. So um, the sourcing has been a lot easier when I'm back there than when I'm here, quite honestly. And what kind of so, uh, that's so interesting. And I just came back from a trip to New York and it reminds me in a small way of like sort of the way New York is where you'll walk down, you know, a random street and it's all, every single store is, you know, specializing in the same basic, uh, kind of, kind of thing. You know, like I was staying in the garment district, so it was just like, you know, ribbon shop after ribbon shop after ribbon shop. So it sounds sort of similar to that. And what kinds of things are you looking for when you're walking into those places when you're there in the summer? Um, most of the time I'm going to look, sometimes I'll have something very specific, but I usually try to wander around and just sort of keep an open mind because a lot of times something very random will trigger an idea. And, um, sometimes when I go with too specific an idea, I can't, I just can't find it. So I find that it's, it's, it's best when I'm just sort of, um, you know, let, uh, let my path sort of determine what happens. So, and sometimes I'll just find something that I love and I'll bring it home for it and sit on it for a while. And then later on, I'll have a great idea for it. That's also probably why my studio is packed full of junk that probably will never use. So, but I'm sure your readers are familiar with that. <laughs> but you, you end up with these really, really distinctive um, and unique looking materials and um, shapes and colors you know, like, um, it, it's, I just find it to be really fascinating how you put, like pair them together. Thanks. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, and one of the other things that makes Hello, She Says so distinctive is your photography. Um, your children, Otis and B, and I remember when B was born, which is crazy, um, are your models and they have, first of all, they have incredible facial expressions and of course, beautiful hair and, um, and, and clothes. And I remember a few years ago, you were doing this blog series called fashion show Sunday, which I looked forward to every Sunday where you took pictures of your kids wearing, you know, gold lame leggings. Um, and, and that was Otis, um, and just whatever sort of crazy things that they wanted to put on and funny poses that they would do on your front porch. I'm imagining that's your front porch. Um, so is there, and now even with, you know, with hello, she said, you have again, that sort of amazing photography that accompanies and shows off and styles the clips. So what is the connection between fashion show Sunday and the hello, she so photos? Well, when my son was small, um, in for a long stretch, I found it very challenging to find clothes that were cute for boys that weren't covered with logos and trucks. And I just wasn't into that look. And, um, you know, when I finally found clothes that I, I liked, it was really fun to dress him up. And, um, on Sundays we would usually go to the farmer's market and, um, we'd put on a cute outfit. He'd go, we'd listen to music and hang out. And it was just kind of a fun, a fun thing. And, um, and then the same thing with B. She um, also loved to get dressed up. The kids really looked forward to those days when they got to be silly and put on a funny outfit. And it's all in the spirit of fun. And that's sort of carried over into the photography for the hair clips is that um, I wanted to be fun. I wanted to be fun for B. She um, likes doing it. We look forward to it. And it's not just because I give her candy for taking pictures, mm-hmm. but you know, a lot of times we're laughing and having a good time. So um, that's, that's sort of the thing. It's accessories. It's fun. It's fashion. It's silly. So that's what it should be. Yeah, I, I often think about my kids, like when they're, you know, in their twenties, like looking back at their childhood, and they're going to be like, "Yeah, I was, you know, always on the front line, holding some, you know, elephants and having my photo taken again." And you know, it's like that's all they do. They're like, "I'm like, just will you just stand with the pig? Okay, just over, go over to the tree and stand with the pig. Like, like kiss the pig. Okay, great. All right, <laughs> you know? I think all of our children can relate to that. That might be easy." <laughs> Totally. Um, I don't know. I I mean, why have children if you can't use them for free labor? Exactly. I don't know whether they're going to like love that or not love that, but let's just say they're growing up in a creative household and that's good. That's right. 
Um, all right. So, so that's super. And, um, Joshi, I want to turn to you now. The first mobile that you created that was for your baby, what was it like? Was it birds or was it something different? Um, so it was, it was birds. Um, and it was funny because I'm in Philadelphia and anyone who does pattern making knows that, um, there's the spool pattern that's a bird that originated in Philadelphia. And I had no idea that pattern exists. I think, I think our patterns were born at the same time in the same city. And I had no knowledge. I don't, they didn't have any knowledge of me either. And, um, I just, we, we live in a rural, in, in the city, but we have a little backyard and there's always sparrows hopping around back there. And I was literally back there and I was just like, I just want to make a bird. And, um, and, uh, and I had been doing sculptures, um, in my graduate work. I got pregnant a year after I graduated with my master's from Tyler and, um, my master's thesis was literally taking like yarn and sticks and fabric and weaving it together to make paintings. Um, and, uh, and it's funny hearing Mimi say she had done paper cutting cause I was doing, it started as really intricate, um, cut mylar pieces because paper, I would make these huge pieces. So paper was too fragile it would oftentimes tear. So I switched into plastic and then the mylar as happens in grad school, um, all your professors come in and try to break you. And, um, they kept asking like, why are you into like this really perfect little mark and these drawings? And you, I was doing these watercolor paintings at the same time that were really free and expressive. And they challenged me to think about that. And, um, so long story short, I had just come out of a grad school experience where I was using yarn and sticks and fabric um, to make large installation-like um, environments. And when I wanted to make a mobile for um, what ended up being our son, we didn't know at the time, uh, I had all that stuff in my studio. And so I just started playing around with it. And I've been a fabric hoarder for years. Um, I come from a line of my grandmother was a quilter. So I actually inherited a bunch of her fabrics. My mother taught me how to sew. Um, when I was 18, she bought me my Bernina that I still use, um, which at the time was already, um, 18 years old because it's the same age as me. And, uh, and I had all, I had more often than not sewn my projects. And so it just was like a real natural, um, transition. And, um, and then I, that was like my last big project before I had my son. And then when he was born, I was thrown into, um, newborn mode, which is you have zero time for yourself. You're just trying to survive. <laughs> and, uh, slowly as he started sleeping every now and then I would go back up in my studio and my sewing machine was there and I just started making other things that would kind of come into my mind. And that was the beginning of, I guess, the transition from, um, doing artful grad, grad school things to, um, more practical things that I could do around my house. We had also just bought our first home, um, a little bit before he was born. So I guess I was just in uh, home nesting mode. So was there, I mean, your, your mobiles are beautiful. Your photography is beautiful. And there's, um, I just feel like they kind of took off. Um, and I'm wondering if there was a particular turning point or like a press mention or an event of some sort that kind of brought recognition to what you were doing and sort of, brought in orders and kind of made things take off? So it's really funny. I think I, <clears throat> I think I just happened on a moment when there was a lot of people having children who were looking for something aside from cutesy cartoon mobiles or um, things made of plastic and we're looking for a more artful solution to something that could be in their child's room and not be an eyesore. And 
I honestly was so immersed. It was hard enough for me to even just start a business because my son was a year old when I started it. Um, that I didn't chase press at all. Um, I just kind of opened my Etsy shop very nonchalantly. Um, and within a week I had my first sale and then, uh, within the first month I was already making, I mean, at the time I was like making two to three sales a week, which for me was huge because I was staying at home with my son and this was sort of meant to be something that I could do when he was sleeping at night and, um, or, you know, napping during the day if that actually happened. And, uh, so I didn't chase press or anything. I think I'm trying to think there really wasn't anything. I think the main thing that happened and my, so my business kind of went along until this past year, um, this last August, all of a sudden, uh, I got to a point where my business was taking over me and that, um, I, that actually did coincide with, I was part of the Martha Stewart, um, American made awards. Um, actually, no, it was, sorry. It was last April. It was the first one they ever did. And that one, they broke down, they only took a hundred out of the nominations and I ended up in the top 15 and I actually did get a lot of press out of that. And I think that, um, kind of brought me to the attention of people who hadn't been aware of me yet. And the other thing that happened at the same time is I actually delved into the world of Instagram and that has made a huge impact, um, in my business. Yeah. That was actually something I wanted to talk to you about, which is, um, you show the mobiles in nurseries and not just sort of, you know, in your nursery at home, but kind of, you know, other people, almost like a room tours of, mm -hmm. you know, the mobiles in other settings. And some of these are absolutely amazingly decorated, um, that and and I think it really gives people ideas of you know here's a way to to style the room and have this be one of the center points of it. So um, so how does that kind of come about? Like how how do you get those images from customers and what effect do you think it has on prospective customers? Um, so yeah, actually the rooms just started happening where you know as I sold more and more mobiles, um, I always have said. When I send out a mobile, I include a little card saying, you know, I love seeing where my work ends up. If you want to share a photograph of your finished nursery, I'd love to see it. Here's my email. Or you can also post on my Facebook or Instagram. And um, and I think people take really, I mean, I think as a mother, I put, and my, my husband and I put a ton of time and effort into our nursery. And so... Um, anytime someone said something nice about a nursery or wanted to see it, we were really excited. And I think people put a lot of time and effort into these nurseries and, um, they're excited to share it. And so I kind of reap the benefit of that. Um, and, um, I love seeing where these things end up and I love seeing how different, um, you know, one of my most popular mobiles right now is the starry cloud. And, uh, a lot of the nurseries that I, um, get feedback on or get images from are with that mobile, but they look completely different. Um, like there was one that blew me away. Uh, you probably saw it. Um, we've started doing a feature on our website, uh, of room tours. And this one woman who's a photographer, Kristen did a nursery with a starry cloud mobile where she said she actually got the mobile first and then based the entire nursery around the mobile. And it's, amazing it has she has a black chalkboard wall behind her um crib and she got um a relative of hers to do a chalkboard mural of a giant moon and stars and it's just phenomenal and yeah uh, it really is striking um yeah and, and i just feel really honored that people um you know include me in nurseries like that yeah right totally it's I an think, amazing um, yeah Sorry, Mimi, go ahead. Mimi, what were you going to say? Oh, sorry. It's uh, that's such an amazing compliment that she would start the nursery design with your mobile and then, you know, 
have it go yeah. from there. <laughs> it really is. And I, you know, I, I, whenever I find customers more and more are telling me that, and it's like, what a compliment to, you know, have that be the inspiration point for their nursery. Um, it just, you know, it's like, I can't even say it's just a huge compliment that people think that much of this piece that they will then go and design a nursery around it. Yeah. That's terrific. Um, I think the two of you share this sort of, um, the styling of the product, um, whether it's in a nursery or on a child, on a little girl with, you know, a dress and her hair done, et cetera. I think, that, you know, together, especially if you're going to be sort of showing your work online, it's so important to style it that way. And you guys are both sort of excellent examples of that. So I'll put links um, both to that particular nursery and also to both of your sites so people can kind of see what I'm talking about because it's really uh, impressive. Um, Okay, so let's dive into um, our recommendation list. I asked Mimi and Jaji to prepare lists of awesome things that they're enjoying right now, and I have a list too. So, all right, let's do it. Um, Mimi, we are going to start with you, and you wanted to talk with, about, and I'm going to say his name wrong, Yotam Otolenghi. Mm-hmm, that's right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and he is a chef who's working uh, in London, and he's written a series of cookbooks, and I'm obsessed with him. I am so <laughs> <laughs> and he's amazing. His um, his um, food just fits my palate really, really well. And he's got sort of strong flavors and a lot of fresh vegetables. And um, and I do find people that I'm bonding with all the time over um, over his food and how we're all obsessed with it. So um, it's it's been a, a real great addition to our cooking repertoire here in our household. So it looks like he is Israeli, um, and um, is his food kind of Israeli, Middle Eastern style food, or what are some of the things that you yeah. are enjoying cooking? He has a lot of Middle Eastern flavors. Um, there's a lot of um, pomegranate molasses and cumin. There's tahini, and um, um, I think that... Um, uh, the the cookbook that I'm cooking a lot from is called Plenty, and it's a vegetable cookbook. And um, I think in my in our own family, we've been trying to move a little bit away from eating um, as much meat. So it's it's been a really great way to help us sort of transition towards thinking about more vegetables in our lives. And um, things are really interesting and um, uh, unusual flavors and combinations. And sometimes he does a little bit of Asian flavors as well, but his strength I think is really the Middle Eastern flavors. And is there, um, one or two recipes I find with cookbooks when I get a new cookbook, this often ends up being like one or two recipes that I make over and over again from that particular cookbook. Mm -hmm. Like I might make a couple of the other ones, but I always go back to those few that are really favorite. So are there some favorite ones in plenty? Um, there's one, and I can't remember which um, cookbook it's from, but it's a, a, a squash, a winter squash, butternut squash um, recipe, and he roasts them. And then he puts this really unusual combination of um, seeds on top along with a creme fraiche that's flavored with um, different kinds of spices. And then um, it just, and and I, if I remember correctly, there's also some cilantro on there. So it's just things that you I would never think to put together. And then when they're actually all put together, they're um, amazing. And there's also one burnt eggplant dish that I make, and my neighbor's obsessed with it, and he <laughs> won't stop eating it when I make it. And it's just, um, it's 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 like baba ganoush, but it's super super smoky, and it does have a little um, touch of pomegranate molasses in it, and it just is really lively and vibrant and fresh, and um, we love it. That's really sounds, great. Yeah, it sounds great. I've talked about this in the show before, but I have a CSA, so I get tons and tons of certain particular vegetables as they're in season over the course of the summer months. And mm-hmm. so to have a cookbook that's devoted to cooking vegetables is really helpful. Um, so that sounds really yeah. good. I'm going to check it out. Um, plus, it's cool to find an Israeli chef who's doing something innovative, too. That's neat mm-hmm. um, for me. So. Thank you. Um, all right, Jaji, you wanted to talk about some artists. Um, one of them is Oliver Jeffers. Yeah, he's a he's a he's an illustrator, 
And um, you guys, probably, I'm, I don't know if you know his children. He does these amazing children's books. They're some of our favorites. Um, my son's favorite is the book Stuck, which um, if you're, it's hilarious because essentially it's about a little boy who gets a kite stuck in a tree, and in order to get it down, he throws everything he can find at it, and they all get stuck, including a whale and a fire truck and firemen and... Um, and at the very end, the kite comes out, and then he forgets about all the other stuff. But the way he illustrates is just um, the thing that I love the most. The, the stories are amazing. There's one I can't even um, – it's, it's about uh, – I think it's called a heart in the, Your Heart in a Bottle. I, I honestly can't read it because it, it puts me – I, like – cry every time (laughs) it's the most but it's the most beautiful book about a little girl whose grandfather dies and she puts her heart in a bottle so that it will never hurt like that again and um i can't tell you anymore because i'm going to start crying right now (laughs) Um, i'm looking at them online right now and they look beautiful and it i'm surprised i haven't i actually haven't seen any of them before because i'm a super connoisseur of kids books oh my gosh where have they been they, he, I, I can't remember how many years ago he started, but I, di- I discovered him when my son was little and, uh, he is absolutely one of my favorites. Um, another favorite, uh, author of kids books is Dallas Clayton, um, which I didn't mention, but I'm mentioning now. Um, and he has a book, um, the book of awesome. Uh, and then there's the follow up. It's, um, like the thank you book, but they're phenomenal too. And they, are really sweet and um, playful, and um, I think he's actually developing a children's cartoon about a unicorn, um, like in a good way. <laughs> but, so his name is Dallas Clayton. Dallas Clayton, yeah, I'll send you a link to him as well. Okay, but um, yeah, I mean, being an art, my husband's an artist as well, so we're both art nerds. So we're always looking for children's books that um, are interesting to us as well because you know you have to read them five billion times yeah in a single day yeah in a single day (laughs) yeah i think i i I think stuck usually i have to read that about four times before i'm allowed to put it down and my daughter's favorite is um the day the crayons quit um it's actually written by a different author but illustrated by by oliver jeffers and it's super cute it's uh all the crayons essentially write letters to this boy saying why they quit um, because he find, he opens up his drawing bin and there's no crayons in there. There's just letters from the crayons. Um, so yeah, we're all, we're big, um, children's book nerds around here. Yeah. Well, you become one almost against, I mean, even if you're not really trying, like I can't say I was really trying to become one, but by having to read so many kids' books over time, you end up sort of becoming familiar with the authors and the illustrators, and then you seek out more and more by particular ones. And um, but these yeah. are both new to me, so I'm excited. I'm gonna we go to the library and I just get the whole like collection, you know, whatever yeah. new author. I just get you know 15 by them, and we read through yeah. all of them. So that sounds great. Um, that's a good suggestion. Also, um, talking about talking about um, children's books, there's also a, um, a sort of small and unusual collection of children's books put out by McSweeney's. You know, they um, mostly publish um, for grown-ups, but they also have these beautifully illustrated, sort of unusual, sometimes a little bit strange books for kids that are worth checking out too. I'll have to. Do, I love the adult McSweeney's, so I'll have to check that oh. out. Thank um, you. Yeah. Will you send me a link for that too? Sure. Cool. That'd be great. Um, can never have more enough. Really good. Bibliophiles. Good <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, all right. So I wanted to talk about uh, something that I'm going to get for the summer. It's a stitch sampler and it's um, from an Etsy shop called Drop Cloth, which is uh, – by Rebecca Rinquist, and she also has a creative bug class about embroidery. And what these stitch samplers are, it's pre-printed on fabric, um, and it's an embroidery sampler, kind of the old school idea of, you know, practicing each of the different embroidery stitches. Um, so she has drawn an embroidery sampler and then printed it. 
and um, she's got a bunch of different of different kinds. But there's one that's kind of all of the different embroidery stitches, which is the one that I am wanting to get. I think I'm going to get for the summer. Um, and you can get it as a kit where you get the fabric pre-printed. You get a hoop, a needle, floss, and it all comes in like a pretty bag. Um, she also has three month or twelve month embroidery subscriptions, so she'll send you a pre-printed um, sampler pa- uh, fabric for you to stitch uh, once a month for three months or once a month for twelve months, which I think is really neat. The designs are very organic um, and it's not kind of old school or stiff. It's very sort of hand drawn and it's got a really nice look to it. Nice enough that I think. Once I finish stitching the sampler, I would frame it and put it in my studio because it just seems like something that would be really great for a studio wall. Um, And I really like having some handwork to do because all of my sewing is done, almost all of it, 90% of it is done on the sewing machine, which which is great. And I, I love my sewing machine, but... It does make it hard to do things outside or when I'm sort of with the kids because my machine's upstairs. Um, And so this gives me something, some handwork that I can take out into the yard or take to the lake. Um, And so that's really perfect for me in the summer. So um, I really recommend them. And if you want to kind of get a feel for what Rebecca is like, you can watch her creative bug little um instructor profile they have like these little two-minute videos and you kind of see around her studio and listen to her approach to embroidery and then if you are new to embroidery you can sign up for her class and her class is based on the exact sampler that she sells in her etsy shop so you can kind of stitch it along with her and learn the stitches if you're new so um that's stitch samplers from drop cloth yeah, I just looked at them. They look amazing. Aren't they I'm, nice? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I'm. I think I may buy one for. We're going to the beach for a week, and I can't bring my sewing machine. <laughs> right. That's so. always my trouble, and I don't feel as happy if I don't have something to work on. Like I just, especially if I'm uh, on the Cape with my family, and it's the evening. The kids have gone to bed. I don't want to just watch TV. Like I need something to do and this sort of thing is perfect. So yeah, that's exactly, I feel the same way. It's like my hands get restless. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, okay. Mimi, we are back up to you and you wanted to talk. Um, well, I'll let you pick. Uh, is there one in particular you wanted to talk about next? Uh, um, well, I, um, I have been recommending to all my friends to get a Kindle. And um, I, um, in recent years, had forgotten how much I love to read. I think I had forgotten about books for a little while. And I think we're so plugged into our um, devices. Not that this is not a device, but that I've forgotten that I spent my whole childhood reading. And so we, um, I inherited a, a Kindle some time ago and, um, and I took it on a trip sort of reluctantly because, you know, I just didn't like the idea of it. And, um, I just found that rediscovered my love of reading. Um, and it's kind of thanks to that Kindle, um, I can check out books from the library and I can just always have something small in my purse. So I find that I'm reading so much more now and I've been such a happier person. I have to say that can just turn everything else off and the Kindle is great because it doesn't have any internet access. And I've been reading a lot of really amazing books. I'm constantly like asking people what they're reading and, um, it's been a really great, um, rediscovery in my life. Although I think it's probably a little bit sad that I had forgotten how much I love to read. So that's been a really great thing. Um, were there things about sort of making that shift? Like it sounds as though you took, kind of took a pause from reading, but you had prior to having the Kindle been reading, you know, books in paper form. Were there things about shifting to reading on a device that you at first sort of struggled against or found hard? It is hard because I, I think it's, I think still now, um, I prefer reading certain books in paper form. For some reason, it, it reads differently. Um, it's, but it's just the convenience factor. I think before then I had, um, been mostly reading magazines 
And, um, and I just, um, it does take a little bit of getting used to, but I think that just the convenience for me now, it, it just has, um, um, made it really wonderful that I can read a lot of books right away and, um, check them out from the library or just have them whenever I feel like it. And it's great for my kids. My kids love the Kindle too. And my son loves to read on his, we're all constantly checking out books. It's been great for him because he burns through books so quickly. And sometimes it's really disheartening to just buy, go to the bookstore and buy a ton of books and he's done with them within a day. So sometimes, um, you know, we will check out a whole slew of books for him, keeps him happy for quite a bit. Yeah. I think I'm going to need to get one for my, my 10 year old is also a voracious reader and we were on a trip recently and she read all the books that we brought and two books that we bought while we were there. Um, and so she was like, what do I do? I don't have a book and you can get a Kindle app for your iPad. So that's what we did. Mm -hmm. And we got her a book that she read for the rest of the trip on the iPad. But um, I think she needs her own sort of non-internet connected Kindle at some point soon. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. That'd be good for her. Um, okay. Zhaji, we're back to you and you wanted to talk to, about another artist, Ulrika, is it Burge? Can I admit that I don't actually know how sure. her name is pronounced? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I mean, it comes back to the whole thing of my, uh, my life has always included art in it, and um, when I was doing my master's, I was doing things that were made of yarn and thread, and I just, I, her stuff just amazes me. It's, um, you know, these really intricate uh, constructions made uh, essentially out of thread. The first thing that ever caught my eye was, I've actually never seen it in person, um, because uh, having two young children, I rarely get outside of uh Philadelphia, and there hasn't been, that I know of, uh, an exhibition in Philadelphia. Um, but just seeing it even via a computer screen or, or what have you, it's just this really intricate, um, essentially sculptures made of, like, flowers and things like that, all completely out of thread. Um, and it's just really... Uh, it appeals to the person. I probably would never have the patience to sit down and do it, but um, it appeals to the OCD in me. I don't know. <laughs> and also just this amazing impulse to create something out, you know, that like a flower out of thread and the delicacy of it and what it translates to. I mean, I find that a lot of my favorite artists are, um, fiber artists or people who use fiber in really surprising ways. Um, and, uh, she's just a new discovery. I just happened across her stuff actually on Pinterest. I saw someone, I saw someone pin a piece of hers and I followed the link and it was to her website. And I just, I think I spent like three hours looking, well, it was late at night. So I actually did spend about two hours just looking at her stuff, um, ignoring everything else I was supposed to be doing that night. Um, and it, to me, there's something about the sort of movement and shadow, um, and also it's suspended in certain ways. Like some of her, her flowers and her work are sort of suspended in the air that are kind of, um, I don't know, related to what you do. Yeah, no, I definitely, I, you know, the artwork that I'm drawn to is for the most part installation artwork, um, things that... Um, are physical and that you can walk into like, like there's the one installation that she did, um, in 2013 to let go, which is, you know, I'm only saying this because I've seen it described and seen it on her site, but you know, five large flowers that move extremely slowly and they're about as big as the person who's walking through them. And they're just sort of slowly, I can imagine them slowly rotating through the space. And, um, you know, I've, I've gone, before I had children, we used to go up to New York um, every other weekend to go to uh, Chelsea to go see galleries. Because, um, as I mentioned, my husband's an artist too. And uh, 
that doesn't happen as much. Actually, it doesn't happen at all anymore. But we do go, we still do go to the art museum in Philadelphia and ICA. And I mean, you know, if you want to talk about mobiles, Alexander Calder, who created the mobile, who's credited as being the modern creator of the mobile, um, was based in, was from Philadelphia. And I grew up going to the Philadelphia Museum of Art, which has one of his huge, gorgeous, slowly rotating mobiles right in their main entry hall. And I remember as a child just being entranced by that. Yeah, and his, um, I don't know if you've watched like films of his circus. He oh my God. His circus, yeah. which is just amazing. To me. I love his circus. I, um, yeah, when I was an undergrad, I actually recreated parts of his circus um, just for fun. <laughs> yeah. That would be amazing. Yeah, totally. I, yeah, think I, I, I mean, his, yeah, he, the, he's one of those artists that I uh, will always be a favorite of mine. Um, you know, just the playfulness and the elegance of his work uh, just constantly is inspiring to me. Do you ever feel like um, kind of busting out of, of sort of the product-centered nature of what you do and this is actually sort of a question for both of you and because I feel this way at times like I make a product and um and therefore it's sort of limiting because it has to be something that people can buy at an affordable price and etc and the sort of idea of making a huge installation or something that's not sort of retail friendly uh consumer friendly but would more be I don't know, kind of holistic and bigger. Um, do you ever, I mean, not that I'm going to go and drop everything and do that, but do you ever sort of have that, I, that urge to sort of do something bigger? I, I mean, I, I definitely do. And actually one of my best friends is actually a curator in Philadelphia. And we've been talking recently about, um, in a, about a year from now, potentially me being part of a show that, I can do an installation in, which would have nothing to do with, um, product. It would just be making a large installation again. Cause as I said, before I started the mobiles, that's what I was doing. Um, you know, I was, I was doing artist residencies and things like that, which are not very, as a mother of two, it's much more difficult to think of going somewhere for a month and, just focusing on my artwork. That sounds amazing, but <laughs> completely impractical. Um, what about I, you, Mimi? Do you ever have that impulse? Um, I do. I think that, um, you know, I, I think that uh, I, I feel like I'm so focused on my business that there's a lot of creative things that I've had to sort of, um, you know, put aside. And I, I wish all the time that I even had time to, you know, for creative sewing, for, for, for any recreational sewing, for, um, you know, to make myself a dress, I would love to do that. So, um, there's definitely a lot of like other ways, other creative things that have had to sort of be, um, put on the back burner while I'm focusing on this business. Yeah. And I agree with you on that. I think that, um, I guess I have a fantasy that it will take years to sort of build it and then it'll get to a point where I'll be able to sort of return to some of those things. I don't know if that's true, but I think it's true. I'd like to hope that it's true. I mean, recently I started painting again um, and I've kind of brought it into the business, Um, (laughs) but it was just something that I was really craving. And um, my daughter who's two loves painting um, as you may have seen on Instagram once or twice. Uh, she loves painting the paper and then herself and then our walls. Um, so I find if I sit and paint with her, the painting of herself happens a little less. Um, but so I feel like, I feel like there's hope for that. I'm getting back to painting and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. It's this whole other side of my brain rather than just sitting at a sewing machine and the same pattern, you know, 40 times or whatnot. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, production work is is tricky that way. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I would think it would be more of an issue for you, um, Shaji, because um, because you do make everything by yourself by hand. So, um, well, right other now, days you just feel you know like pulling your hair out. <laughs> there are definitely days like that. Um, and actually, what I'm working on right now is because the demand has gotten so big. Um, I am actually currently um, working on finding 
uh, I've talked to a few manufacturers. Nobody can really do what I do because it is so hand intensive. Um, but I'm actually, I live in Pennsylvania um, and Philadelphia. And so I'm actually currently talking to um, a uh, Mennonite family um, who runs, who sew. And uh, hopefully going to be, um, be expanding the business um, with them soon. That is so exciting. Yeah. Good so for you, I, um, I have watched, uh, you know, on Twitter as, and, and on Instagram periodically where you're like, yeah, it's overwhelming right now. I've got, you know, like so many orders. Um, yeah. yeah. And that sounds like it might be a great partnership. Uh, well, let's put it this way for our first meeting, um, they brought their four month old baby girl. So I kind of took that as this is probably going to work <laughs> maybe at our business meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, hopefully na- soon we can, I can start, um, you know, we're, do- we're going to be doing some samples and testing and, um, you know, see, I-, I can start letting go of some of the stuff and also start branching into wholesale, which is something that I absolutely can't do because I have so much uh, retail demand for my work. I've got a few wholesale accounts and that's all I can manage. Um, right. Mimi, I'm just wondering, was it hard for you to let go? Were there ever quality issues or, you know, what was it like when you made the decision to have, um, this family that your family has known for so many years do the production work for you? It was really hard to let, I mean, it's, it's hard to let go period of anything. And, um, I think that, um, in the very, very beginning, I just had to sort of let go a little bit by little bit. And, um, you know, sometimes there's still some quality issues here and there, but, um, you know, we work really closely together and we're constantly in contact. So we give a lot of feedback. So it's, it's been good. It's been amazing. It it did take a while for me to feel um, good about all of it, but, um, we have this really great, um, back and forth and great working relationship. So I'm happy. They're happy. Yeah. And, uh, and you're still able to make the business profitable. Yes. Yes. I think that's, that's extremely encouraging to hear Mimi because I think the yeah. biggest thing is with handwork, especially the hand is so present in every object. And so when you ask someone else to make what you're making, it's never going to look exactly the same. Right. And so I think as a maker, you have to let go of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I'm struggling with right now. I think it's also that you'll, you'll be, you know, having this back and forth, like, well, this is kind of what I, what I need for you to do. And it'll take a little while for them to sort of learn your hand. Right. So, and then it'll be, it'll be, you know, hopefully what, what you want. Exactly. Yeah. I, I was listening to, um, Anna Reifelbond, uh, talk, uh, Anna talk about, um, her business and how I think she was saying she actually has someone who can paint like her now. And I just thought that was so interesting. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Talk about the hand, right? To talk about the hand, because painting is, is, I mean, even more so mm-hmm. a specific hand. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, it gave me a lot of hope. It was like, okay, <laughs> if someone can find a painter who can paint like them, then I can definitely find someone who can sew like me. Well, I know I talked a couple of years ago when I was um, working on my first book, The Artful Bird. I talked to Tamar Mogendorf. I don't know mm-hmm. if you know her, but she okay. is um, she makes gorgeous um, soft sculpture and she lives in New York. She's also Israeli. And she, um, I interviewed her on the phone and she has, um, production assistants who work with her in her studio and who do produce a fair number of the things that she, um, sells wholesale and it, you know, she's made it work and her, I've seen, you know, in a local shop here, they have some of Tamar's work and I've seen it and I don't know who made it. I don't know if she, you know, those were all made. She, she touches every piece of it. Um, and I don't know if she, you know, made all of those pieces, but they definitely still look really good quality and still have her signature sort of, um, it, you know, visible threads and visible stitches and her very signature style. It certainly is still her work. So, um, I think it's possible, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I was reading that about Jess Brown too and her yes, studio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And how, you know, 
think she was saying like the thing she'll never give up is stitching the faces. Right. Because she feels like that's where the real personality comes through in each doll. And mm-hmm. I completely relate to that. It's like there's certain parts that just it your hand really does need to be present for it. Right. But at the same time, if you're going to be, you know, like Jess Brown does, you're going to be making dolls that you're going to sell as finished goods. You, you're not going to be able to sustain it once demand gets to, you know, a certain point and you're going to need to make a choice, you know? Exactly. And I, I made the choice to sell patterns. Um, you know, for years I sold birds and then I chose to sell instructions Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of get out of production work entirely because you do hit a wall. Like you can't, you just physically can't, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. So, um, all right, guys, we are coming up to the end of our time together, which is so sad because this has been a great conversation. And I know there are other things on our list that we didn't get to, but, um, uh, Thank you so much for sharing your story and um, your thoughts on handmade and on running a creative business with me. Um, so Mimi, where can we find you online? Where should people go to visit you? We, uh, I have my own store and that's at helloshesew.com. And then, um, you can also find me on Instagram, uh, and that's at you know, helloshesew and on Facebook. And, um, those are my favorite ways to be in touch with, um, all my fans and all my friends. Awesome. <laughs> so awesome. And there's yeah. also a great list on your website of all the stores where people can find uh, Hello She's So Hair Clips, too, so they could visit yeah. one that's local to them. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. And, Jaji, where can we find you? So I also have my own babyjives.com, um, which I'm actually moving more and more. Of, I am on Etsy still at babyjivesco.etsy.com, but... Uh, the entire selection of what I offer is only at babyjives.com. And um, there's links to all my social media there. Uh, Instagram is by and far where you can find me the most, um, followed by Facebook. And then, um, you know, and if you want to find out what I'm pinning, I have a Pinterest account where uh, that's, you know, you'll, you'll find a lot of the inspirations that we talked about today um, pinned up there. Awesome. And are you on Pinterest too, Mimi? I am. I love it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I do love it. I'm going to go check you guys out and follow you both there because um, Pinterest is awesome. I um, follow on there, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> I, you just go down the Pinterest rabbit hole and never emerge. But, Pretty much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, you've been listening to the While She Naps podcast. I'm Abby Glassenberg, and I invite you to visit my blog where you'll find helpful information for creative entrepreneurs, as well as tutorials and patterns for making stuffed animals and dolls. And that's at walshynaps.com. And if you enjoy the show, tell a friend about it. Thank you so much and see you next time.